0: Welcome to the Business Animal Podcast. Saddle up for a gallop to the top of the animal industry, where you'll learn how to tame your wild business beast with tips, techniques, and tools that will take overwhelm to obedience school and have you wagging your tail with joy. And now your hosts, Kim Beer and Kara Taylor Swift. Hey there, business animals. It's Kim with Be More Business. And Carol with Fast Horse Photography. Hi, Kim. How are you today or this week? (laughs) Or I don't even remember when I saw you last. How are you?
1: (laughs) It's honestly not been that long ago. And you get to see me in the life form in a week. I know. I can't wait. We're where to be back out at one of our favorite places in Wyoming, the Powderhorn Ranch. I know. I'm looking forward to that. And while we're on that topic, I do want to give a plug for our other podcast, Cowgirls with Cameras podcast. Yes. Because we have some great new episodes that are coming out like right now. That's right. So if you haven't tuned into that one and you're a photographer or you are interested in the photographer's lifestyle or Western lifestyle, please head on over to Cowgirls with Cameras podcast and give a listen. We bring in our good friend Phyllis Burchette for that. So there's three of us. You get triple the insanity.
0: (laughs) I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but folks (laughs) definitely have time to go over and get caught up on the episodes before the new ones come out in the next week. Nice. And Kim, before you jump into this episode, I do think you need to tell everybody again, just remind them about your book that's out and where they can find it and get it.
1: So I do have a book on Amazon. I'm like officially an Amazon author. I'm officially a publishing company. And I got my copy last week. Nice. She had her copy before I even get my author copies. So go figure on that. But I ordered 50 of them (laughs) because I'm going to be selling them myself as well. But it is available on Amazon. And now it's even available on Amazon when you search the title. Or my author page will come up when you search my name and Amazon, but the title is The Little Book of Big Sales Moves. And honestly, that fits really well in with our theme for this episode, which is to refine your sales process, which is one of my prerequisites that I cover in the book. So this is going to be a little bit of a deep dive into the situation around getting your sales process refined and being able to really create a sales process that makes it easy for you and makes it easy for your customers as well.
0: I just confirmed that you can search it on Amazon and it pops right up top of the list. So that is so exciting. (laughs) I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of myself.
1: That was a feat. And what's more fun (laughs) is while we're recording this morning, some FedEx driver is on his way here to drop off my proof deck for my tarot cards that actually got to a publisher and will be available at a reasonable price, not a from China, we have to ship it on a crate over here price in just a week or so. So I'm super excited to see those. I'm crossing my fingers that they look good and everything is great. I trust the printer who we did interview on this podcast a few episodes ago, which is Marathon Press. So I'm super excited to get that. I know it's gonna look beautiful and I can't wait to approve the proof so I can get my copies of my deck delivered. I feel so grown up, Kira.
0: I've like published a book in a tarot deck. <laughs> well, you have certainly had a very busy year, very productive year.
1: A very productive year. I finished some very long-term projects is what I did. That's right. <laughs> With, kind of all at um, once. <laughs> yeah, all at one time. So I look like I'm really like fantastic, but trust me on this. It took me three years to draw the tarot deck. And then it took me another year to find a good publisher. So that project's been hanging for four years. So that's a lot of fruit I'm picking. The little book that I wrote, which now I'm so excited about because now all I want to do is write more books. I think my next one may be about the <laughs> evolved email marketing or something. I enjoyed it so much, but I started that in the spring. And I love teaching and sharing my wisdom and I love writing. So all of those things came together and my first little book was born. So nice. And I enjoyed enjoy <laughs> the fact that people are sharing it on social media. I'm like so humbled and amazed when people are like, "Oh, I got Kim's book." And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, they're reading my book." <laughs> that is awesome. All right, well, let's teach some folks how to or discuss how to get your refined sales process up and going. Kira, do you want to share the big 3?
0: I sure can. So today we're going to talk about refining your sales process, which honestly is something that we should be doing on a regular basis, constantly taking a look at our sales process. So just to kind of clarify what that is, your small business sales process is a repeatable and structured set of steps taken by a business to convert prospective consumers into clients. It's how you make a sale by turning a potential customer into an actual buying one. So our big three is, number one, is there a way to make it easier? We're going to talk about what that looks like. Number two, can you more deeply personalize the experience for your customer? And number three, can you automate it? You know, we love automation. We talk about it all the time. Ken, why don't you jump into number one and we'll go from there. Can you make it easier? Is it possible? Yes, you certainly can make it easier.
1: So I think the first thing that we have to do is review what is... The consumer journey and the customer journey, because understanding the steps that pretty much everyone goes through in a buying process is really important and key to understanding how can you make each of those steps easier for your customer. I talk about this a lot. There's a gentleman back in 1966, which we won't mention is the year I was born. His name was Eugene Schwartz. Heck, I don't know. He may still be with us. I I need to check that out. But he wrote a book that outlined the steps to the consumer journey. It had to do with marketing. And honestly, he's a very brilliant man because this is the same thing we look at today. And he defined five stages of the customer journey. So those are consumer journey. I want to keep that separate from the customer journey, because consumers are people who haven't purchased from you yet. And then customers, at least in this definition, and customers are people who have, or at least are in the active part of getting ready to purchase from you. In the consumer journey phases, people go through five phases. The first phase is unaware. So they're not even aware they have a problem or want to do anything in regards to whatever it is you're selling. Those people we can't market to because if you're not aware, you can't be marketed to. Then they move from there, they become aware they have a problem. So that's problem aware. Then they become aware that there's a solution to that problem. That's solution aware. Then they become aware of your particular solution. In other words, that they know your business exists. And then finally, most aware, which is the actually coincides with the first step of the customer journey, which is connection. So during this phase, they reach out either by going to your website, to your social media, via phone, walking into your establishment somehow, but they do their research and they figure out who you are, what your solution is, and how to find you, basically. And then from there, they move into consideration, which is thinking about it conversion, which is the actual sale itself and where money changes hands and the solution is provided. And then they go back, they fall into what's called a loyalty phase, which is an ongoing relationship. And what you want them to do is go back and repeat the customer journey over and over and over again. So they go from loyalty back to connection, consideration, conversion, loyalty, connection, consideration, conversion, over and over and over again. If you have a business that people can and repeatedly use. If you don't, what you want the loyalty to become is for them to send their friends. So then their friends go through that process as well, or associates or people they've recommended to you. Just a quick review, cause I went over that really quickly. The consumer journey that Mr. Swartz outlined includes stages unaware, problem aware, solution aware, your solution aware, and most aware. The two stages that you're most concerned about in your sales process are solution aware and your solution aware, because this is generally where you do most of your marketing. So your process of how to make this easy for people needs to concentrate on what is going on for the people that are in the solution aware and becoming aware that you provide that solution areas. Then from there, that's your marketing piece. Then your sales piece starts at the customer journey, which starts with connection, then moves into consideration and conversion. And those three steps right there need to be very clearly outlined for you or for your consumer or to move into the customer because this is where people lose sales. This is where the first two for Mr. Schwartz with the solution aware and your solution aware, that's getting you found. Then the connection part, consideration and conversion is where we actually lose sales if we're gonna lose them. And then loyalty, we have to keep that ongoing relationship. I hope that helps clearly define for you what these steps are and to take a look at what do you offer at each step of this journey that your people have with you, what are you doing to facilitate or make the process easier? So in the beginning, it's making yourself found and known, which is solution-aware and your solution-aware. Then once they come into contact or connection with your business, it's making it easier. It's making that process simple. It's giving them all the information they need to make a good informed decision and then having all of the tools at hand to make the actual providing of that solution as simple as possible and then maintaining loyalty over time. That was a lot of information.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but that was really good information, I think, for folks. I did take a second and look up Eugene Schwartz. His book is called Breakthrough Advertising. They have a picture of him too. He's got a nice Dick Tracy vibe going on. <laughs> so, in case folks want to check it out, he looks like an old newsy guy. Like uh, I like can picture him in a news guy's white sleeves rolled up and this big old tie, and quite handsome, actually, in, in my opinion. And don't spit your coffee out. Quite handsome <laughs> if you're into like the Dick Tracy type, you know <laughs> how this looks when you kind of like sit down and actually start working on is it actually looks like sitting down and thinking about what your sales process looks like and creating a path for your potential clients to follow. That's consistent, that's repeatable. But has some level of flexibility that you can address some of the unique needs that your potential clients have. So just actually sitting down, pen to paper, and drawing out your sales process map. They get an idea of the flow you expect your customers to go through. So, wow, number one was just really information-packed. But I think that's really good, like, the psychology of all of that and, like, thinking through it. it is something that, as small business owners... We really have to make an effort to sit down and do. Absolutely.
1: And thinking about it from our customer's perspective is so very important and really understanding where they're at. And so many times I think that the mistake that gets made here is we jump the gun as salespeople, we start talking to people like they're in the consideration or conversion stages when they're really still just sussing out answers for themselves. And then that becomes a problem. So we push them or we get so concentrated on that, explaining to them what the solution is that we bore them to death before we actually get to the conversion and the consideration phases. Just be really aware and have sales materials. This is probably my biggest point. Have sales materials and processes in place that really help people move from one stage to the next stage seamlessly in the amount of time that they exactly need to move there. And We talked about consideration. Sometimes that consideration phase can last for years. If you have a high ticket price product or if you have a service that takes a lot of commitment from the individual purchasing it, such as coaching or business consulting, there are times that that consideration phase is ongoing for a really long time. And you have to have things that make it easy for that person to remember who you are and be able to contact you. I did a class yesterday morning on paid social media, and one of the things that I told them is it's not the early bird that gets the worm. It's the bird that's standing above the worm when it comes out of its hole. So that's where you want to position yourself. (laughs) So true. What a good analogy. As the business that's standing and stalking around above the hole when the worm comes up and you can grab it. So that requires you to put a lot of processes in place. If you have one of those services or products that takes a long time for people to purchase, you need to be aware that you need to maintain that connection and you need to be ever vigilant, waiting for them to be able to get to the right moment to make that decision decision and please don't peck them when they get there.
0: I oh, don't know. That's a good quote. We may have to use that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good Kim quote. <laughs> Kimism.
1: <laughs> it's a Kim metaphor. It's a chemophore.
0: I like it. So are we ready to move on to number two? Yeah, I think that moves us easily right into number two of our big three, which is can you more deeply personalize the experience, which really means being more focused on your customer or on your customer journey stage of the game. For personally, I think you have to start by first doing the work to know your customers. This is the best way that you can speak to them in a way that truly resonates with their needs, with the things going on in their lives, and their expectation as consumers. You have to make sure that your process includes personalization and at every stage possible. And this takes a lot of like question asking and really getting to know the why so you can better understand the needs and be ready to address objections when they come up because that is part of this process, right? Is dealing with objections. They do come up sometimes. That that to me is such a big piece of it is trying to work in your customer's why trying to work in their needs and really sitting down and doing that work. What do you think about that, Kim?
1: Yes, I think that's understanding it. So I say interview your customers because we bring way too much bias into everything we do about Mm -hmm. judging what our customers do, right? So a lot of times when someone starts a business, young entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs, baby business owners, they oftentimes start their business for a personal reason. And many times it's because they've experienced something that they want to solve the problem for other people. So they've solved the situation and now they want to do it for other people. So what happens in that is they approach personalizing the experience from the perspective of already having the problem solved versus the person who hasn't solved the problem yet. So it's hard, you can't really go backward in time and you can guess what you would have really liked along the way and oftentimes that's really insightful. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, is that as you solve your problem, you lose contact with the experience that you had in solving the problem. So it becomes this paradox where you have a bias now that you can't really get back to that point again. You can guess, but you can't get back there. So here's the important thing. You got to talk to your people. You got to talk to the people that are in the stages where you want to refine your sales process, because those are the people that are going to give you the best information about how this is working for them and how you could make it easier in order for them to understand it. Now, last week, we did an episode on value-based selling, which has a similar concept. And in that episode, I talked about how to sell with value. So I wanna reiterate what we talked about in that episode. I referred to four things you really need to seek to understand about your customers to understand the value of what you bring to their lives, which also will help you in personalizing the experience for them. One is how you're, what you're selling fits into the customer's overall life goals. So what is it that they're actually seeking in their life And how does what you're selling fit into that? You also need to understand the barriers they're experiencing, both related to and beyond what you're selling in achieving that goal. Now, here's where you can make the sales process so much easier. If you understand the barriers that are coming into play, then you can help people over those barriers. You can help them understand the steps that they need to take to get there. And if you think about your buying experiences where a company has done this for you or an individual has done it for you that has a business that they're marketing to you, when you have help getting over those barriers, you feel very loyal to that company because that was a huge help and you're thankful for it. It's a gratefulness area. So when you personalize the experience where you can really help people understand where they're at and understand how to get over the barrier, then it's great. Then also understand what pain points that these individuals are working to solve. And just like the barrier, you being able to help solve those pain points is really important. The final one of these four points that I want to make here is that you need to know the pinch point people need to reach in order to really work on solving the problem. So that pinch point is the point when most people break and say, I can't deal with this any longer. I'm buying something. I'm spending money no matter what the price tag is. I want out of this situation. Now, this can be so simple as my pen ran out of ink. I mean, it can happen instantaneously. My pen ran out of ink, I'm going to Walmart and I'm gonna buy another pen. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's the pinch point, right? Is I can't sign any more documents until I go get a pen. That's like dumbing it down to the simplest thing. But if you're working as a horse trainer, and you're working with, you have a client who wants to bring a horse to you, there's probably a pinch point in there of the horse maybe has demonstrated a few bad behaviors or a few unwanted behaviors. I'm not even gonna call them bad, just unwanted behaviors. And maybe they've reached out for a phone call. The barrier tends to be you're a great horse trainer and you charge a lot every month for your training fees. But, and the person's like, my pain point is, is that that's a lot of money to invest. And then finally one of those unwanted behaviors pops up for the multiple time and they're like, no more, I'm done. I don't care. This person I picked out is amazing. I know they're a good horse trainer. I know that this will help solve the problem. I really don't care what it costs anymore. And so they take the horse to you to be trained and may that horse have simple human problems that you can help fix (laughs) That's in that scenario. Yeah, you really want to work on understanding those things.
0: It's such a good point, too. And I think this part of our big three, understanding the pain points and making it a more personalized experience, is more important the higher the price point gets, too. So the higher the price point gets, the more that you need to focus on this stage and making sure that the value is really represented. Because if it's a lower ticket item that doesn't, you know, they don't have to put a lot of thought into it. They can just impulse click and buy. You may not have to work as hard on this part, but it may just be a case of being in the right place at the right time, standing over the worm when it comes out of the hole, like Kim said. But when you're selling a higher ticket item, like many of us do, and like the example you gave as a horse trainer then you know, this piece of it is so much more important.
1: It is. And I'll tell you as an entrepreneur, if you're new to this, if you've only had your business a couple of years, you may feel like you have a handle on this, but you keep seeing evidence that you really don't. Don't ignore that evidence that you need to do your customer research. I know for me, I just assumed I knew it all <laughs> Oh, and I didn't. I really didn't. And I think my business would have grown a lot faster if I would have humbled myself a little bit more and said, maybe I should take a few minutes to understand people who had an experience different than mine. If you're in that phase where you're you're still new, but you think you really got a handle on it, check yourself and see if you really do have a handle on it. And if you've been in business for a really long time, then you'll start to see back where you could look back over your business life and you go, yeah, you knew nothing, Jon Snow. You knew nothing.
0: <laughs> All right. Are we ready for big three, number three? We certainly are. All right. So big three, number three, can you automate it? We talk about automation, I feel like, all the time. <laughs> yeah. So it feels like this should be an obvious one at this point in terms of in terms of refining your sales process. But I'm always surprised when I talk to people that haven't done really any level of automation, even something as simple as creating emails that they write over and over and over again. So this really is an, an easy way that if you just dedicate time to it, that you could really make some difference in your client process and put some consistency into it. A couple of things that I think about on this one is CRMs, you know, your customer relations management systems like Keep or 17 Hats, which you and I talk about on the show all the time because they're CRMs that we use. But I also tell people that you don't have to run out and buy something fancy that have all the bells and whistles. I know for me, I use 17 Hats. I probably only use a percentage of, you know, a very small percentage of what that system's capable of. And I will tell you, if you look at the programs that you're already using in your business, whether it be through your website or your e-commerce tools, some of those things already have or are in the process of developing automation tools that you can use. I just got an email from, I think it was Square, which I use sometimes for processing client orders, and they're now doing email automation. So there's all of these things that these different programs are doing trying to be more all in one that you probably don't have to run out and buy something to make this work for you. But the big thing is is take a look at those repetitive tasks that you're doing every day on a regular basis and see how you can first of all free up some time in your business by automating them, but also reduce mistakes. Think about how sometimes when you're writing an email, it just flows and you're really in the mood and you know everything that you want to say, and then other times You sit down to write an email and you're like, I talk about this all the time, but I don't have the words today. Like my brain's just not working. So you reduce mistakes. When you dedicate time and actually write things the way that you want to write them, using the words that you want to use, and having all of the resources and tools available to you, you reduce mistakes in your correspondence with your clients. And then this is something that you have to do continuously over and over and over again in this process. So, those are my big thoughts on the automation side. Kim, I know you automate even more than I do. Why don't you speak to this topic a little bit? Yeah.
1: So, I I do believe automation is really important. It's an interesting quote that you said in there that you speak to a lot of people who know that automation exists and don't use it. I can give you- It care- sounds scary. It does. And honestly, all of the things that you just said are really important and they're very valid reasons for using automation. I think there's a even more valid reason for using automation. As a matter of fact, I think there's two that, I think sometimes people will take a little more to heart than just the time. I think a lot of entrepreneurs have this mindset that they will say time is money, but they really don't believe it. (laughs) So deep down, they're like, they understand the concept that time is money and it's money to be made for their business, but they don't really believe that because oftentimes they're looking at their bank account and they're going, well, I seem to have more of the time than I do of the money. And automation as a prerequisite, it takes a lot of investment from you, investment that feels like it's pulling away from your business. And it takes a lot of investment in understanding your buying and customer process. And it takes a lot of investment financially. These programs are not cheap. So if they are, they're generally not very full-featured. So it's one of those things where it's an expense and it also pulls you away from the things you feel like you need to be doing. And even though we can correlate the time is money thing and balance it all out and all of that, I sell CRM. So I know that all of those are talking points, but I want to bring up two other ones that are really important. The first one is psychological. So in the sales process. It is human nature for most of us. I used car salesmen for the most part exempted from this, but it's human nature to not wanna push our products on other people, our services on other people. In other words, we really would like as salespeople for people to come up to us and say, hey, I wanna buy that. That's the easiest sale in the world, right? I don't care what it costs, I'm happy. Go ahead and I'm gonna write you the check. What does the number need to be? And I want your solution if only sales worked that way, but they don't. They get messy. They are time-consuming. And we lose interest, or we lose our motivation, or we get distracted into something else. And that ends up costing us that sale. So if we look at the time is money equation with the CRM that says, take those repetitive tasks that you do on a regular basis, free that time up to do something else because you automate it, we can see that that saves us a little bit of money. But what about all those sales that get lost in the messiness of the selling? That's where a CRM can really add money to your bottom line. And honestly, what you mentioned earlier, Kara, the higher the ticket item, the more important it is for you to be able to concentrate on that long-term phase because that consideration phase we mentioned back in point one is going to be extended because people don't often make really split second decisions to spend a big chunk of money. It takes time to do that. If you are one of those businesses that particularly depends on that and you have this extended consideration phase and you don't have a CRM, my question to you is how much money are you hemorrhaging out of your business because you haven't gone to the trouble to bandage that particular part of your sales process, to shore it up, to strengthen it, so, that those people that go to other solutions, and this is probably the biggest rub of this whole part, right? If you kind of half acidly do this, then what you do is you convince people that there's a solution to their problem. And because you don't maintain your contact over time, they go hire your competitor because they're your competitor was also standing outside the hole waiting for the worm to come up. You got bored and left and they're still there. But you're the one who did all of the work. You found the customer. You convinced them that this is what they needed. And now your competitor gets the sale and gets the money in their pocket because you left guard, so to speak. It's just Really, really important that you be able to maintain that follow up over time. And like I said, the higher the ticket price, the more the stretched out that consideration phase becomes, the more important CRM becomes. So that's really key. Now, the second point to that is adding that to your bottom line and understanding what that customer that you would have gained because you had a CRM and you didn't get in your own way. What would that customer bring you over a lifetime? So how much more business did you lose? So that customer maybe had a great experience with you and referred you out to three other people. So it becomes this point of, yes, it repetitive tasks eat up part of our day and we can free up our time. And that's a small amount of time but when we look at the bigger impact of the financial situation we're putting ourselves in from lost sales and then potential revenue, we definitely are losing a lot more off our bottom line by not having a system in place that is strong and keeps us moving that sale forward and make sure that the little bird standing outside the hole has its eye on the little worm at all points in time. Even when the owner of the bird is distracted, I think I took that metaphor too far. It officially went too far
0: <laughs> Now nah, <it> was perfect. <laughs> All right. I think we're ready to recap then. Let me close up this picture of Eugene Schwartz real quick that I was checking out again.
1: Oh, and speaking of good old Eugene Schwartz, I found that there's a coffee cup of Eugene Schwartz that it's themarketingshow.com. I don't know who that is, but it says Eugene Schwartz is my homeboy (laughs) and has his picture on it.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. I hope that he it was actually a decent human in his time because we've talked about him enough on here. People are going yeah, to look at him. I, I
1: have a feeling Hopefully he we was. don't find out
0: later on that he was. He died
1: in. 19- <laughs> That's awesome. He died in 1995 before anybody cared about a lot of stuff. So,
0: Oh, uh, well, OK. All right. So let's recap our big three in terms of refining your sales process. Can you make it easier, looking at fewer clicks, faster scheduling, looking for ways to make your sales process easier? Can you deeply personalize the experiences? Number two, you know just being more focused on the customer journey, the stages that they go through when they work with you? And then number three, can you automate it and just spending more time thinking about some of those things that are repetitive in your business and putting them on automation so that you can spend more time dedicated to client services. So that's it for us today. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. And if you did, let us know over on social media at The Business Animal. We are on Instagram and Facebook. We're also online at thebusinessanimal.com. Let us know by rating and reviewing the show. You know, we are 80 plus episodes in right now. And it's really important for us to hear from you all that you're listening and that you're enjoying our episodes. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Business Animal. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you learned something today, leave us a review. To learn more, find us at thebusinessanimal.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep your business well-trained with The Business Animal.